I want to welcome everyone at each RCC campus this morning. We are so glad you're here today, and I am excited to be the one finishing up the series Breakthrough, where we've been looking at the life of David and how David's life can speak to ours. Now, as we've seen so far during this series, being chosen king, as David was as a young man, it didn't mean that his life went smoothly from that moment forward. In fact, being chosen king led to years of wandering in the wilderness and to David even having to flee for his life. It led him to make some decisions that got him in and over his head. You see, David faced the same kinds of things that we face. And the lessons that he learned can help us lean into God amidst the joys and the sorrows of life. So today, we're going to look at another way that David's life can intersect with ours. We'll see what we can learn about walking with God as we see how David responded to another challenge. Today, we're going to look at what we do when our dreams are denied. Today, we're going to answer the question, what do we do when we realize our dreams will never come true? You see, this is huge. Because we all face times in our lives when dreams are denied. And sometimes this is pretty easy and it's pretty evident. I remember a time when my, my son was five, and he had been watching the World Cup, and he loved watching Germany play. And he had decided then and there that he was going to play for the German national team. That's what he was going to do. That was his life goal. And after about a month or two, I had to look at him and be like, hey, buddy, you understand you can't play for the German national team, right? Because you're an American citizen, and you have an American passport. And he looked at me, and he goes, really, Dad? Yeah, buddy. Oh, okay. Right? Sometimes it's like that. Our dreams are denied and it's evident and we go, oh, okay. Other times, though, it's really difficult. It can be really hard when we don't get what we long for. It can be really painful and it hurts when that thing we're praying for just doesn't come to pass. Being denied can actually be extremely painful for us. Now, we all know the feeling of what it's like to have a dream that's denied. In fact, I think that's why some of us like to watch reality TV. I mean, admit it, right? Why would we sit through those opening train wreck of two weeks or three weeks of American Idol? Do we watch the beginning weeks of American Idol so we can see the new really good singers? No, I don't think that's why we watch it. I think we watch it so we can watch how people whose dreams are denied how they respond. When they find out they can't sing, <laughs> do they graciously accept the truth and say, you know, thank you, Simon, I really appreciate this. Thank you for telling me that I have no talent. Do they graciously accept the fact they're no longer going to be famous? Or do they, you know, have a complete meltdown? They start ugly crying and calling everybody names and throwing stuff and blaming everybody and, you know, that's how they respond sometimes. And sometimes I think that's why we watch it. We watch it to see the meltdowns. And we understand deep in our hearts how they feel, what it's like to have your dream denied. You pour your heart and soul into a job and you work really, really hard, only you don't get the promotion that you hoped you would. The boss decides to go another way. You put all the work and discipline that you can into trying to learn a sport 
and you up your skill and you just decide you're going to outwork everybody else so that you can make the team. The only problem is you don't make the team. Your dream is denied. You know what you want and you study hard because you want to get this out of life and you decide I'm going to work twice as hard. The only problem is as you do everything you can, you don't get what you want. The answer is no. It's not going to happen. We all face these situations. If we live in this world that we live in, we will face being denied. So if we want to succeed in life, we have to learn how to handle those moments in life when we don't get what we've hoped for. Now today, as I share with you, please understand, I walk the same path you guys do. We're all in this together. Our last season of life as a family has been really challenging. And we've seen some of our dreams denied and we've watched God carry us through this. And right now we're facing a new level of uncertainty because we've got a recent medical diagnosis for one of our kids. And so today I just want you to know as I talk, we're in this together and I'm learning along with you. But you know, I, I think I'm old enough now and I've experienced enough of the broken dreams that we face in life to be able to say this with some authority. I know that our ability to follow Jesus over the long run, it, it'll be determined more by our ability to respond to disappointment, setback, and loss than by our gifts, passions, or abilities. Let me say that one more time. Our ability to follow Jesus over the long run will be determined more by our ability to respond to disappointment setback and loss than it will be by our gifts, passions, or abilities. Literally, if I'm to follow Jesus over the whole course of my life, if I'm to finish stronger than when I began, I have to learn to face and I have to learn to navigate well those times in life when I'm denied. I can have all the gifts and talents and passion in the world, but if I don't learn how to handle disappointment and loss, I just won't be able to accomplish anything in life of any importance. And this is exactly what we learn from David. We pick up David's story this week in 2 Samuel chapter 7. At this point in his life, David is now king. His enemies have all been defeated. And his kingdom is now at rest. He lives in a huge palace that he's built. And he set the whole nation on the path of worshiping God with their whole heart. In short, everything is good right now for David. And it's in this moment that David has a dream. He has a plan that he wants to see come to pass. Look at me in verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a house of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. You see, David looks at his own palace, which is massive, and it's crafted from the finest materials. No expense had been spared. The worship of God right now, though, was taking place in a tent. And David looks at his own palace, and he looks at the tent where God was being worshipped, and a dream begins. David decides, I'm going to build a temple. A temple that will be worthy of the God it represents. 
a temple that will show the glory and majesty and power of the God of the universe. And now, while this is not said in the passage, as I read this, I can imagine David beginning to dream a bit. And he starts to sketch out some possible ways. How is this going to look? What is this going to look like? How could we build this? We can take everything we learn from building my palace and we'll pour it in, the finest materials, the best craftsmen, and this will be great. It'll be greater than any temple in any nation anywhere in the world. And so David, looking for advice, right? He's being wise. He goes to Nathan, the prophet, who's his friend and his spiritual advisor, and he lays all this plan out for Nathan. Look at verse 3. Nathan replies to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. David's head's got to be spinning, his heart has to be pounding. Nathan has given him permission to do what he's longed to do. But then I want you to see what happens. David, the king, is denied. Look at verse 4. But that night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelled in a house from the day that I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Look, God is saying, David, did I ask you to build me a house? Have I ever asked anyone to build me a house? Good idea, but no. Look at verse 8 as it keeps going. Now then tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture from tending the flock and have appointed you ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men on earth. God is saying, David, look, I hear your heart here. I see what you're wanting to do. I hear your heart in wanting to build the temple, but you are not the man to do this. It's not your place. David, your dream is denied. Now, when Nathan tells David all of this, I want you to see what David does. Look at verse 18 and following here. And David went in and sat before the Lord. And he says, who am I, sovereign Lord, that you have brought me this far? And as if, as if this were not enough in your sight, sovereign Lord, you have also spoken about the future of the house of your servant. And this decree, sovereign Lord, is for a mere human. What more can David say to you? For you know your servant, sovereign Lord. For the sake of your word and according to your will, you have done this great thing and made it known to your servant. I want you to notice Look at what David does. Notice how David accepts God's word to him. And he reminds himself of all the ways that God has been good and faithful to him and also to the nation of Israel. And then David ends his prayer again, reminding himself of God's goodness and faithfulness. Verse 28 says, Sovereign Lord, you are God. Your covenant is trustworthy And you have promised these good things to your servant. So here's what David models for us when our dreams are denied. Even those dreams that we think are great and they seem good. 
When you don't understand why, submit, grieve, and apply. When you don't understand why, submit, grieve, and apply. You see, in the moment that that his dream was denied, David had a choice. Would he listen to God's word? Would he submit to God's plan? Would he take the no? Or would he decide that he's going to pursue this anyway? He's going to make his dream become a reality. You see, the choice that he made in that moment defines him. Just like our choices that we make when our dreams are denied define us. You see, here's what we have to understand. Not every dream we have is part of God's good design for us. Even those good dreams, not every dream we have is part of God's good design for us. Just because our motives are right and our dream is good, this does not mean that God has to give us what we want. It doesn't mean that he's required to do what we want him to do. Sometimes our dreams are denied because we live in a sinful, broken world. Loved ones die, and with them some of our dreams. I have a friend right now whose extremely godly husband recently died of a massive heart attack, leaving her and her four kids. They were a phenomenal couple, and they were great friends to us. But their dreams for life in the future, their kids' dreams for a future life with their dad, they're gone. Other times, it's actually the sin of someone else that impacts our life in a profound way. And this causes our dreams to die. You see, I have another friend whose family right now is dealing with the fallout of infidelity. And it's a fallout I cannot even begin to imagine even as my heart has been deeply, deeply grieved by this. Look, neither of these were part of God's design. God doesn't will these bad things to happen. God didn't kill my one friend or cause the other to make a choice, a horrible choice that has blown up his family. The sovereign God of the universe does not cause everything that denies our dreams in this broken, sinful world. But neither does he leave us alone. He never leaves us alone. You see, God's absolute sovereignty doesn't mean that we're spared the denial of our dreams. It does mean, however, that God can take evil and he can bring good from it. That he can take heartache and he can redeem it into something that is beautiful and life-giving. You see, this is what David does for us. This is why he models this for us. David understood something that we can understand today. That when our dreams are denied, when we don't understand why, we can submit, grieve, and apply. Let me unpack this for us a little bit today. To submit, this means that we acknowledge that there is one who is greater than we are and he's in control of everything And right in the midst of our unanswered questions, we choose to place ourselves under his authority and follow his plan. We make the intentional choice to submit to God and to trust him. But in these moments, trusting God can be a struggle, can't they? When we're facing denial and we don't understand why, sometimes it's really hard to trust God. When things, part of, when things start to fall apart, some of us, we struggle with trusting God and we begin to ask things like, God, 
how could you love me and let this happen? In these moments, we struggle to trust that God really loves us. God, if you really love me, why am I facing this denial? And these are questions that some of us wrestle with. And for others of us, it's not that we doubt God's love, but in these moments when our dreams are denied, we start to doubt God's wisdom. We find it really hard to trust His wisdom. We struggle to trust that His plan and purpose for us is good. We struggle to trust that God has our best interest at heart. Now look, I remember when I was a teenager, and I remember wondering many times what planet my dad had come from. He would say things to me, and he would deny me things that I thought were absolutely obviously should be given to me. And he would ask me to do these other things, and I just couldn't understand why. It didn't make any sense to me, none at all. You know, my car was the first case in point in this. My dad found a car, and he, he, wanted, me to, he wanted to help me buy it, and this was the car, right? And I walked up, and I looked at it, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. It's all right. Well, we can find another one, Dad. It's okay. I don't mind. But he made me buy it, and I wanted to pass. You know, something funny has happened, though as I've become the father of teenagers. I've begun to understand why my dad picked the car he did, even though the body style was not at all what I wanted. It was a car that lasted me 10 years. It was solid, it was reliable. And you know, I find myself denying my children the same things my dad denied me. And I find these funny things coming in my, out of my mouth that actually are the same things that he said to me. I also find myself wandering through the house, shutting off all light switches, right? <laughs> Fussing at my kids. Why did you leave this on? Which I swore I would never do, but you know, that's a talk for another time on another day. It's funny though, how with a little more life experience, it changes the way we begin to view authority and those who are in authority over us. And for you, maybe it wasn't your father. Maybe it was your mom or your grandfather or your, a friend who did this and played this role of authority in your life that was out for your good. But you see, we're, with this, we're like the same way with our Heavenly Father, aren't we? When we go through circumstances and we start to understand why they're happening, we start to wonder if God knows best. And we start to wonder, is there any possible reason that I have to go through this right now? And we start to wrestle and we want an explanation. We want God to give us the reason why it's all happening. God, if you're going to allow this, if this is going to be in my life, then you at least have to tell me why. But the truth is, sometimes, God just doesn't make the why clear. We don't know. Other times, God clearly shows us why, and we look at that reason, we're like, I don't want that. I don't like that. You shouldn't be doing that for that reason, God. I don't agree with this. But you see, always, always, God reminds us that he is faithful, that he will see us through this, that he is actually closest to us when he seems the farthest away, and that ultimately we can trust him fully and always. You see, in moments like these, when we face situations and we don't understand why, we find ourselves saying, we have to say, God, I submit to you. I don't understand this situation. I don't, I don't know why I'm, this is happening, but I am going to trust you even though I have questions and even though I don't understand.
You know, we may find ourselves praying something like, God, it makes no sense why you're saying no to me right now. No sense at all. But I'm going to trust you. And I won't keep pursuing and going after what you have told me no to. God, it makes absolutely no sense to me that you would ask me to forgive that person. I don't understand it. But God, because you say we need to forgive, I will choose to work through the process of forgiveness. God, it makes no sense to me right now why you would be asking me to give you generous when my finances are such a mess. I don't understand. But because you say we should be generous, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to be generous. You see, I know submitting to God may not be easy. But this is the path forward that David models for us. He submits to God in the midst of being denied. And this is also why the second word is grieve. When you don't understand why, submit, grieve, and apply. And that may seem a little weird, but listen, submission is hard. Acknowledging that your dream is dying is hard. And God knows this. He actually knows you far better than you know yourself. He knows what you're feeling. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be disappointed. Keeping a stiff upper lip and pushing down what you're feeling and just keep moving forward because you think that's what it means to be spiritual, that's actually not biblical faith at all. Just read the Psalms. These worship songs that we have in our Bible, right? Many of them deal with... There's songs that are written out of seasons of life where the author is questioning. He's wrestling when God has said no. He's, he's questioning, God, you're not doing what I think you should be doing right here. God, you're silent. You're absent. Where are you? Right in the middle of our Bible, we have examples of what it looks like to trust God enough to submit and then in his presence to deal with all the grief and the pain and the disappointment that we feel. Now look, let me honestly just tell you this. If we're not careful to really deal with our emotions, if we keep stuffing it all down, thinking we're being super spiritual, those emotions that we stuff down, they're going to come erupting out at some point. And when they come erupting out, it's going to be in a way that will be completely destructive to your life and to those around you. You know, it is okay to submit to God while grieving a loss. It's okay to submit to God while pouring out to him our sadness and pain. He can handle it. In fact, being open and honest with God actually allows him to redeem it. God cannot redeem what we refuse to give to him. I was just talking with a guy yesterday, and his daughter in the past was suffering with pneumonia. And it was a type of pneumonia the doctors actually came to him and his wife and said, we don't know what's going on. We can't fix this. She's been sick and we've tried everything we know and we don't know what's happening. And he said he walked out of his daughter's hospital room and he stood in the hall and he's like, God, you got to show up. God, you got to do something. God, if you're real, you got to intervene. And deep in his heart, he heard God say, will you trust me? Will you trust me that she was mine before she was yours? And in a moment of honesty and candor with God, he looked at, he just said, God, no. 
I can't trust you right now. I don't understand why this is happening. I don't like it, and actually, I kind of think you're being a jerk to me by asking me to trust you. And as he was honest with God, and he poured his heart out with God, and he releases all of this to him, he said for the next hour to hour and a half in the hallway of the hospital, he wrestled with God, and he came to a point where he could trust. Had he stuffed it all down and pretended it wasn't there, he would have never come to this point. And it was one of those defining decisions of his life. You see, God can't redeem what we won't give him. And this is why the path forward is when you don't understand why, we submit, we grieve, and we apply. Now, here's what the apply means in this. We apply the truth of God's character to our current situation. You see, the truth makes a difference when it's worked out into our lives. As long as truth just remains in our head, it's a fact that we know, it doesn't transform us. When we wrap our lives and we live out the truth that we know to be true, when we put it into practice, that's when our lives are transformed. So, as we submit and as we grieve, we apply what we know to be true about God to the situations we're facing. We remind ourselves of what God has done in the past, of how he has been faithful. And that actually helps us to submit to him now. It helps us to trust him now in this situation. We can trust that God will bring us through what he leads us to. And we can remind ourselves of the truth that God is most present when he seems to be the most absent. We can remind ourselves of the ways that he's shown up and he can remind ourselves of these truths. And this is what it means to trust God. And we allow these truths to be the the rock of our lives and to shape our reality. You see, see, we see David doing this in his prayer after Nathan told him God was denying his dream. David reminded himself of all that God had done for him and all that God had done for Israel. David was reminding himself that God has been faithful And that God would continue to be faithful. And David was wrapping his mind and his heart and his emotions around the truth that he knew and the truth that he had experienced. He reminded himself that the one who knew him best and loved him most has his best interests at heart. And that he could be trusted, even when he didn't understand. And the same is true for us. Because God is faithful, he can be trusted with everything even when we don't understand. What if you follow God's example? What if you follow David's example? What if when you didn't understand why, you chose to submit, grieve, and apply? What would it look like for you today to risk trusting God enough to submit to him even as you have unanswered questions? and you may not understand what is happening. Could you do that? Maybe today there's someone at one of the campuses who's been exploring what it would mean to follow Jesus, what it would mean to submit your life to him. Now, you may still have some questions, but what you know about Jesus today, could you trust it? Could you risk trusting what you've learned about Jesus at this point to submit your life to him and to ask him, for his grace and his forgiveness and allow him to transform your life? For some of you, 
what if you risk trusting God enough to really pour out what you're feeling to him as you submit to him? What if you trusted God with your emotions, with the pain and the hurt and the loss you're feeling? Or maybe the pain and hurt and loss you have been carrying for a long time due to a dream being denied. If you're struggling today to submit or to grieve, I really want to encourage you to apply. Applying the truth that you know, leaning into all that is true about God, is what gives us the strength to submit now. Remembering, retelling all the stories of how God has been faithful to you and how God has been faithful to others. It's what allows us to risk submitting to God. It's what allows us to risk grieving in God's presence. Knowing God is love and knowing that he's faithful, that he will see you through what he has brought you to, that he is, he is most near when he seems most silent. These truths are what help us to risk trusting God in the moments that we face right now and to find truth. It's when we find and how we find the strength to trust God rather than trusting our fears. Let's be honest. When you're hoping for a baby that never comes, when the promotion is taken away from you, when your loved one dies, when the marriage falls apart, when the wayward teen never, the wayward teen just never seems to come home, in the midst of all of our fear and pain, we submit and grieve and apply. This, this little one with a paper on it. This is how I am applying right now. We had something crazy happen to our, us in our lives last year. I was good with five kids, totally fine with it. God had another plan. We'd been praying for a child um, that my wife was teaching um, in her art class. We'd been praying for him for years to find a family. And we get a phone call saying, hey, would you adopt him? And I was at first like, you know, I'm good. But my wife and I had made a commitment that if this, guy, if this guy ever came up for adoption, we would just do it. So we say, God, we don't know exactly what you're doing right now. We don't fully understand what's going on, but we're going to trust you. And God began to open doors and everything began to fall into place. And we were looking back and we were amazed at what God was doing. And then as we came to the final steps of this, there was an issue with one of the sets of papers. And it looked like everything was going to implode. And my wife and I are sitting in an office and we're crying and we just are like, we don't know what's going on here. We don't understand. How can this be? God, we don't know what you're doing right now. We, we don't get it. And we just said, we trust you. We don't like it. But God, help us to trust you here. And we made it through that hurdle. And as we went to the final hurdle and we had to submit everything and I walked up to the window with all of our paperwork and they gave me this. You're number one in line. And I thought, well, this is either going to be really, <laughs> this is going to be really interesting how this plays out. I submitted all the paperwork and they called us up and they stamped it and said, you're all good. Everything's fine. And I just reached out and I grabbed that one from the, t the person on the other side. I kept it. Because for me, this is a marker of when God has shown up in my life. 
when God has shown up in our lives. And later that day, we were with our kids, and I let our children in on some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that they didn't know was happening. And I said to them, you know what, guys? God showed up in our lives today, and I'm keeping this as a reminder. And now, as we face a season of uncertainty, we don't know what the future is going to hold with one of our kids. I pull this out, and I apply. God, you have been faithful. You will continue to be faithful, and I will trust you even when I don't understand. And you are strong enough and big enough to handle my sadness and to handle my questions, but I'll trust you, and this is how I apply that. What would that look like for you? What would it look like for you to apply today? For my wife, one of the things that's been happening is there's a scripture verse that's been showing up over the past three or four months randomly. That's become an anchor for her. She holds on to it as a promise from God. Maybe for you, there's a worship song that's been meeting and hitting you and speaking a truth to you in a deep way right to your heart. And you need to take that song and you just need to put it on a repeat. And you need to let the truth of that just wash into your life and own it and allow you to submit and to grieve and trust God. I want to ask you, and I want to challenge you, no matter what you're facing, take some time today. Spend some effort. Think about how you, right now, can choose to submit, to grieve, but also to apply. Let's pray. God, the truth is, is that uh, life is uncertain but you're not. And so God, we pray today that you would help us. God, may we trust you and submit, even if that means we grieve our losses in your presence. And help us, Lord Jesus, help us to apply the truth of who you are to our lives. You love us more than we could ever imagine. God, you are faithful and you are true and you will continue to walk with us, and you never let us go. God, I pray that you would meet each of us in that spot in our hearts where we need to be met. And show us. Show us what our next step is today. And it's your name we pray. Amen.